Hi. Hello. Hello, Internet and San Jose. I'm your husband host, Travis McRoy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to and watching Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. Hello, my dove. Hello, dear. I'm sorry you didn't get a warm welcome. <laughs> that was so rude. Uh, how many people here, by a round of applause, this is uh, your first Schmanners experience? Wow! Oh, boy. That's very exciting. I'm so glad to have so many new friends here. Um, so our show is about etiquette and manners, both about the history and how it applies to the modern age. We are non-judgmental. Um, we believe that etiquette and manners is about being your best self and not about judging others. And uh, sometimes, from time to time, we do uh, biography episodes of people who have had a, a big impact on the world of manners and etiquette and society. Um, and so... Uh, I requested that Teresa do an episode this week uh, on Mr. Rogers. Um, especially because it, it, it really bridges the, the like I said, the, the history and the modern, because history, you know, we grew up, our generation grew up watching Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. It sounds like he has a few fans in the audience. Right. And now... And now, our daughter is uh, a huge fan. Her favorite show is Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. And it's so, like, it's, it's a very, like, big bookend. Bookend of my life. I'm not about to die. What am I saying? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, goodness gracious. It's, so It's quite nostalgic for us. Yes, Because indeed. we recognize a lot of the songs. Even some of the, like, the video clips are reused. Uh, I don't... I, yeah, don't judge them. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Uh, I definitely recognized going to the crayon factory. Oh, yes. That's a classic episode. So, um, not but, only did Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, but also the land of make-believe that Daniel Tiger lives in also have a crayon factory? They had a crayon factory. And I assume other factories as well. But they have yet to address those. I'm sure it'll come up. Where do the clothes get made? I don't know. Does Trolley run on gasoline? These are all questions for diesel? another show. Electric? You would hope he's electric. Does he have a soul? That's something I think about all the time when I watch Shane Tiger's Neighborhood because they talk to Trolley and sometimes he'll ding in response, which means he's processing what they're saying so at the very least, he's very advanced AI. 
and yet they command him around. I'm staring at the water bottle that I wish was wine. I just, Trolley just doesn't seem to have a lot of free will. Hey, that's a different show. We'll talk about yes, this later. Yes, it's a different show. So, Mr. So, Rogers. <laughs> Mr. Rogers. Um, well, you know, here's the thing. He was a sniper. No. With tattoos no. all over his arms. Nope. Mm -mm. He was also not a drill sergeant. Uh, I, I think I've heard that rumor about him and Bob Ross. And I think that Wait, Bob I thought Ross the Bob Ross one was real. Was actually a drill oh, sergeant. Okay. You were about at, to shake me to my very core. He was at least in the military. Uh, but uh, Fred Rogers was not. Um, he did, however, make the, a very impassioned speech um, in order to um, persuade the, the committee on the budgetary decisions during President Nixon. He saved PBS. Yeah. You may have seen that. Anyway, let's get some of the, you know, facts and figures out of the way here. Time to expose Mr. Rogers. Here's all the messed up stuff he did. That would be a very short show. Yeah. Aw. And uh, my clock says we have 25 minutes left. Oh, so boy. All we right. We've got a longer show than that. Um, so Mr. Rogers was born on March 20th. Um, about oh, we just missed it. His birthday. What? Oh, that wasn't a oh, joke. I mean, we did just miss his birthday. The Look at a calendar. The celebration of his birth occurs every year, even though he is passed on. Um, about 40 miles east of Pittsburgh. And the thing... Oh, people are familiar with Pittsburgh. Land of steel and rivers. Industry. What? Okay. Um, so he was kind... I've never been. I'm from Cincinnati. <laughs> I wouldn't go to Pittsburgh. He was kind of a sickly kid. Um, had several of the, you know, what we would have called childhood diseases, preventable diseases. Um, and he would often be quarantined up in his bedroom with very little to do, and he developed his extensive imagination sitting there playing games to himself. Listen, sometimes we do really funny episodes, and sometimes we do episodes where, like, y'all probably gonna cry. I'm probably gonna cry. I'm gonna have a hard time making goofs about Mr. Rogers. Because I'm just gonna sit here like, yeah, yeah, he did. He's, an, he's a hero. Um, and very early on, he learned to play the piano, and that was his main form of emotional expression. Um, that and sweaters. And sweaters. He learned about sweaters at a very young age. <laughs> So, I mean, because he... No, I can make jokes. It's fine. Okay. You, you can okay, make jokes. Okay, we're through you the woods. That was scary for a second. All right. All right. All right. Something that we are just coming to terms with in our society is toxic masculinity. And this is... Yeah. And uh, that was one of the character traits that was kind of cultivated in young men of the time. So he didn't really feel like he could laugh or cry or really express himself other than through music. And, and sorry, around what time was he born? Like what, what year? Oh, no. <laughs> My notes say 1998, and that's not right. That's, there's no way that's true. 
Paul knows. Honey, Paul knows. 1928, thank you, Paul. Paul knew. Now, 19... I will be doing the rest of the podcast from under the table. Thanks. 1928. Yeah. Like, one number was wrong. I think that's still okay. She's still doing a great job. If he was born in 1998, he would be making, like, YouTube vlog videos. And he'd probably be terrible. <laughs> Not that everyone born in 1998 is terrible. Just 95% of them. <sighs> Look, so to here. <laughs> Look to your left. Look to your right. Okay. We'll fix that in post. <laughs> <laughs> All right. He uh, acquired a bachelor's degree in music composition at Rollins College in Florida in 1951. He did, however, go to Dartmouth before that. Um, and that's where that famous commencement speech is at. Uh, if you haven't seen it, you should look it up on YouTube. It is amazing. Um, and uh, music, as I said, would play a key role in his life because he not only voiced all the puppets, conceived the show, but he also wrote all of the music for Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Um, so it was, yeah. it was really like a one-man show. He's a hero. Um, he met his wife, Joanne, there at, at Rollins. Okay, um, not on the show. No. Okay. He let her in the, met her in the Atlanta Maple believe She was a puppet. No, he's a hero. Dang Don't it. cross that line, McElroy. Travis! Okay, so... It's a funny premise, though. His senior year... A person of, being married to a puppet? I'm ignoring Hilarious. You now. Okay. His senior year of college, he was all set to become a minister, which he would eventually... Um, but what? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. He never wore a collar, but he was a Presbyterian minister. Whoa. I'll get to that. Okay. All right. Sorry. Um, and uh, so on his senior year, he came home one summer and found in the middle of the family living room was this newfangled device, a television a set. A puppet. Hello, Fred. <laughs> yes? I'm your destiny, Fred. And it, it so moved him, the programming that was available at the time for children so moved him that he ended up putting off seminary to go work in television. He, it, it was like a calling, one might say. Same thing happened to Jerry Seinfeld. It was the name that popped in my head. It's a dumb joke. Please continue on, my intelligent wife. He was hired as an assistant producer at NBC uh, because there were only like three networks. So if, you know, people got hired because they were like, this is new, we need people. Not to say that he wasn't qualified, but like, come on, NBC, like, Anyway. No, hold on. I think that's okay. He was studying to be, you know, a minister. I would say he wasn't qualified to work in TV just yet. I think that's a safe bet to make, honey. You know what? You're all wrong. She's right. <laughs> he 
He was later promoted to floor director for the Lucky Strike Hit Parade, the Kate Smith Hour, and NBC Opera Theater. So he was pretty good at it. Yeah. The Lucky Strike Hit Parade, Opium Presents, all kind of shows. We know a lot of things now that they didn't know then. <laughs> like, cigarettes are not good for people who are pregnant. They're just not good. <laughs> cigarettes. Dot, dot, dot. Right. Not good. <laughs> That's my favorite scene in Mad Men. Where he's like, what if we're just honest? <laughs> you're fired, Don. No. What okay. if we lie? You're rehired. So, at the request of the, of the uh, first community-sponsored educational television station in the nation, WQED, um, he moved back. We to got some fans in the audience. Oh. Yes. Uh, he moved back to Pennsylvania, and they wanted him to develop the first children's program for the station. Um, it was called Children, the Children's Corner. I mean, it was okay. It wasn't like stand out awesome as opposed to like some of the other things that were going on because although it was, it was, it was hosted by a fairly charismatic woman, um, they had puppets and music and, and they often used like kind of B-roll. Uh, it, it wasn't what he was looking for. It was still- It didn't have the soul. Yeah, it was still a little too simple, a little too slapstick, a kind of, you know, I, I have to imagine it's something, you know, like Punch and Judy, if anybody's heard of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, I mean, that's the, the puppet section, but like it was just kind of, uh, okay. It didn't respect children. Didn't treat them with the respect that they deserve. Children. Okay. I know I said that like a joke, but really, I mean it. Really wasn't. So uh, he felt like he they they could improve on this. Um, so he was invited to create another television show for the CBC uh, network in Canada. And it was Mash. No. Little known fact. It was from his experience in the military. And that was in 1963. I'm so sorry, honey. I just have to ignore your jokes. I've got a lot of stuff it's to get fair. through. No, no, yeah, I get it. I get it. Why should it be different on stage than it is at home? At home, I ignore your jokes to encourage you to workshop them. That is true. That is true. If you think I my only... jokes are bad now, you should have heard them at home. I only laugh at the really good ones at yeah. home. It really helps. About once a year. Okay, um, but they moved back to Pittsburgh. They seem to kind of be all over the, all over the place here, but uh, moved back the, to Pittsburgh in 1966. And in 1968, the first Mr. Rogers Neighborhood was broadcast. <laughs> now, um, can I do... you guess what this show, the plot line, was about? No. Well, it's... Uh, Puppets? No. The plot line, not the characters. Okay. Okay. Some of you may recognize this as a, uh, a modern theme. King Friday 
wanted to build a wall. Huh. Because he was irritated that people were changing things. He didn't want things to change. Huh. Huh. Timeless. And so the citizens of the neighborhood overthrew him. <laughs> they tied peaceful messages of love and kindness For a to second, balloons. I thought you were going to say they tied him up. <laughs> Two balloons, and they floated them over to the wall, and after King Friday tried to shoot them down but failed, he instead saw that his neighborhood, the people of his, of, of his uh, what do you call it, land? Fine. Um, <laughs> of his fealty? Wanted tenderness and His peaceful serfs. existence. So, they took the wall down. Huh. I, I also, just math-wise, this is not, I know it's, it's a lot of like Facebook shared post thing, but he was 40 when he started Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Yeah. He was 40 when he started a thing that made him iconic. Just think about that when you're like, I'm 22 and I haven't done anything. It's okay. It's all right. You'll get there. Yeah, maybe when you're 40, you'll just completely, like, destroy the concept of toxic masculinity all by yourself. <laughs> He's a hero. Hey, everybody. Uh, I sure do hope that you're enjoying... Uh, this live episode of Schmears recorded in San Jose, California. Uh, it sure was fun and heartwarming to record. But real quick, I wanted to take a second to tell you all about Quip. Uh, Quip is a, a revolution in, in toothbrushing. I would say, you know, how often do you think about your tooth health and how well you're taking care of your teeth? Well, let me tell you something. It's important and most of us don't do it properly. Uh, but Quip is going to change all of that with sensitive sonic vibrations and a built-in two-minute timer pulse. Quip was designed to make brushing your teeth more simple, affordable, and even enjoyable. Brush heads are automatically delivered on a dentist-recommended schedule every three months for just $5. And Quip is one of the first electric toothbrushes accepted by the Dental uh, American Dental Association and have thousands of verified five-star reviews. Quip is backed by over 20,000 dental professionals. Quip starts at just $25, and if you go to getquip.com schmanners right now, you get your first refill pack for free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash schmanners. Uh, real quick, I just wanted to say thank you again to everyone who came out to the San Jose show. Um, thank you to the City Civic Center uh, for being such wonderful hosts. Um, and now, back to the show. Hi, I'm the JV Club Podcast, Janet Varney, and I used to suffer from indecision. I couldn't choose between Star Wars and Star Trek, whether to call or text, or the best way to cook my eggs. But now, thanks to my weekly dose of We Got This on Maximum Fun, my decisions are made for me. Thanks, Mark and Hal! Warning, We Got This may cause shouting, phone throwing, the illusion that the hosts can hear you, laughter on public transit, and death. 
We got this with Mark and Hal. We know what's best. Hey everybody, this is Jake Heath Van Stratton, host of Go Fact Yourself, a live game show here in the Maximum Fun Network. Make sure to listen to our next episode of Go Fact Yourself with guest Kurt Brownowler. I did a show in Flagstaff, Arizona, where the venue just didn't list that the show existed. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, and I, and it is the smallest crowd that I've ever done a full hour of stand-up for. It was three people. Oh, wow. my God. And Sarah Schaefer. Yes, I love crafting. It's my hobby. I have a craft nook in my home. You do? I do. It has all my supplies displayed in an adorable manner. Wow. <laughs> yes. Oh, that, uh, uh, yes, applause. Applause for a nook. That's Go Fact Yourself here at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get podcasts. This was not the last politically-minded um, episode. He also tackled later the assassination of Bobby, Bobby Kennedy. He tackled um, the segregation of swimming pools, uh, the racial segregation of swimming That's pools. That's a pretty famous episode, right, where like he has a kiddie pool and like right. he puts his feet in, and I think it's... Officer uh, Clemens, Officer Clemens. was the neighborhood policeman. Uh, police officer, and it was a very hot day, so he invited Officer Clemens to share the wading pool. So they both are sitting in this little kiddie pool, enjoying the cool water on their feet. It's very tender. Yeah, a hero. <laughs> I'm about to cry. <laughs> okay, no, oh, don't cry, I am. honey. I know he's a hero. No, listen, I, I could sit here and say that like a joke, but he is like one of my heroes of like someone I think about. This is one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this because now as a parent, I, I do see the way that he spoke to children and the way that his lessons, not only taught lessons, but explained why those lessons were important. Because mm -hmm. that's a thing that still... Uh, holds true in Daniel Tiger is like not only is it like hey don't be sad instead it's it's okay to be sad and like that like the lessons are a lot more about like instead of just saying don't do that saying here's why that happens and it's just it's he was so ahead of his time as far as like how to speak to children and treat them like people He would go on to address the subject of superheroes uh, because there were several children of the country who, in their efforts to be like Superman, um, found themselves tumbling out of windows. So he had to discuss the, the difference between people and superheroes. Um, uh, again, he talked about death, divorce, getting lost, all of this stuff because these are the things that he knew, these are the tools that he was able to give children as they grow up. Um, and Once again, remember, 68. So like this, for a long time, the things that we taught kids was like, you'll, we'll tell you about that when you're older. Completely ignoring the fact that like a 10 year old understands when someone dies. Like they don't understand what it means. They don't, unless you teach them, right? But they could say like this person was there and now they're not anymore. And to think like they don't, they don't need to get it. I'll tell them later. It's like, no, that's completely unhealthy. He's just so far ahead of me. I, he's a hero. <laughs> 
Um, and uh, a lot like the themes of his shows that he wrote, he also started the call and response through the television. And you see this a lot on children's programming today. They'll ask a question like, how many apples are on this tree? And Whoever then... just said five, you're also a hero. Because you're right. That is how many <laughs> apples were on the tree. And just Everyone else like who didn't you, answer, where were you? Just like you, the silence in the program encouraged the children to answer. And this is something we see a lot. I mean, we watch a few children's programs. A, like, a few bajillion. <laughs> Mickey Mouse Clubhouse does this. Daniel Tiger the does Einstein's this. Little does Einsteins it. do these. Like, all of this answering Van in the doesn't. silence. No, well. There's just a ghost, and they never address whose soul it is. This is this it's is a, a current obsession it's of a Travis's. Different, I'm I just guess. saying, why won't they set him free? Help him finish his unfinished business and salt and burn his bones. Have they not watched Supernatural? It's not important. Supernatural does this a lot. How many ghosts are in the tree? <laughs> And so, very quickly, I would like to walk you through um, what is called by um, some of the, the people who worked on the show. It's called Freddish, okay? And it is the way that he constructed his scripts so that it was inclusive, so that children didn't feel talked down to, so that um, everyone could identify with the situation at hand. So here's the example. It is dangerous to play in the street. Now that's something that even a preschooler can, can start to understand, but it needs to be rephrased in a positive manner in Freddish. So the next, uh, you change it. So now, it is good to play where it is safe. Okay, that's positive, great. Now you can rephrase the idea, bearing in mind that preschoolers can't make the you know, subtler distinctions uh, and need to be directed to authorities they can trust. So ask your parents where it is safe to play. Okay, so now you need to eliminate all elements that could be considered prescriptive, okay? Um, so we want to get rid of the word ask because we don't want to tell people what to do. So we have your parents will tell you where it is safe to play. Okay, well, so now we need to get rid of anything that expresses certainty. So we're going to change will to can. Your parents can tell you where it is safe to play. All right, so now <laughs> it's a 10-step process, you guys. So now we need to rephrase... Um, the idea to eliminate anything that might not apply to all children because unfortunately some children don't live with parents. Um, your favorite grown-ups can tell you where it is safe to play, right? Then we need a simple motivational idea that will give these preschoolers a reason to follow because, you know, we have to let them know why. Your favorite grown-ups can tell you where it is safe to play it is good to listen to them, right? <laughs> All right, now we know that it's good, but that's another uh, value judgment. So here's, here's it rephrased again. This is back to um, step three. So 
Your favorite grown-ups can tell you where it is safe to play. It is important to try to listen to them. Okay, and this is the last step here. Um, you need to relate it to some kind of development station that preschoolers can understand. So here's the final line. Your favorite grown-ups can tell you where it is safe to play. It is important to try to listen to them, and listening is an important part of growing. Right? And once again, I just have to reiterate, like, the thing that's amazing about that is the respect and the care that goes into thinking through that instead of just saying, don't play in the street, right? Like, that's a great lesson. Yes, of course, don't play in the street. Yes, absolutely. But if you said that to me and I hadn't learned that lesson when I was a kid, I would say, why not? And then if someone said, because, I'd be like, okay, shut up. <laughs> like, and so this idea of, like, the nuance and the respect that goes into, and that's why I really wanted to talk about this because manners isn't just something that we teach kids to use when they are adults. It is something that not only should we teach kids when they are kids, but we should teach adults how to have manners with kids. Um, because this is, this is a thing that I now find myself like constantly having conversations with BB in which like, for example, this is, we had a whole thing about sharing where I was trying, not just like, hey, you have to share. And I'm like, why? I want this. <laughs> why would I give this to somebody else? And like, and it took me a while of going through the same kind of thought process of, of saying like, well, you should share because it makes the other person happy. And when other people are happy, it makes you happy. Like, the happiness is like a share, there's a sharing, you share your thing and they share their happiness and it's an economy of sharing. And like, I didn't use the he word economy it, of he sharing, of course. a little more simply for our she's, she's two. But like, it also, this is the other thing that I really think one of the things that made Fred Rogers such a lovely human being is, and I, I mean, I'm inferring, but from me talking to BB that way. It's that thing of like with martial arts sometimes where they say like the only way to improve at a certain point is to teach other people. And like once you start explaining something to someone else and saying like, and this is why, this is why this is important, like it makes you actually think about it in a deeper way than just the things that you take for granted of just like, well, we share because it's nice. And it's like, yeah, but why is it nice? Why do you do it? What is empathy? Why do we, why does it matter to think about someone's feelings other than we just should think about someone's feelings? Like how does it, what does it change? And like once you start teaching it, it, it makes you understand it better. Um, and, and so I do find him to be an inspiration. Now quickly, quickly. And before, a hero. <laughs> before we end, I would love to list off some of his accolades. So he not only became a Presbyterian minister, he also got a Was graduate a degree in child development, not listening. Um, he wrote several books. Uh, so he wrote Mr. Rogers' Playtime Book, Mr. Rogers Talks with Parents, Dear Mr. Rogers, Does It Ever Rain in Your Neighborhood, Mr. Rogers' Parenting Book. He also received more than 40 honorary degrees from colleges 
colleges like Yale and Hobart William Smith and Carnegie Mellon and Boston University and St. Vincent College, University of Pittsburgh, North Carolina State University, University of Connecticut, uh, Waynesburg College, Rollins College, and Dartmouth College. I also, one more thing I want to say, because we talked about that he did the, like the call and response thing, right? I also would be willing to bet that he was the first, if not an early pioneer of like the clubhouse mentality children's show, right? Of like having the nooks and crannies, the things that you went back to where you're like, here's the fish tank, here's the trolley, here's the cat, like that he had specific areas that he could set scenes in that it made it feel like a special place for like you and him to go to. Oh, I'm gonna cry again. <laughs> but um, that feeling of like, it's not just wacky adventures, that it's like here is a, a place where you can be yourself and that we can learn these lessons in safety. I am gonna cry. Don't cry, honey. I know. You'll smear your, your makeup. I know. Okay. Um, if you would like to learn more about Fred Rogers, there is a Fred Rogers Center located at St. Vincent College, um, which is dedicated to nurturing interactions with young children and the thoughtful use of new educational technologies. Here is the kicker. Their mailbox says speedy delivery on the side. Oh, my heart. It's grown painfully three sizes. Um, <laughs> all right, so that's going to do it for us. Thank you all. Thank you, new friends. Um, we're going to take a quick break, uh, by which I mean an intermission, um, while we go off the stage and those young upstarts, the McRoy brothers, get ready to come on for the second act. Uh, we would like to encourage you out in the lobby. There's gonna be some posters out there that were designed by Caleb Cleveland. There might still be some signed ones out there if you wanna grab some of those. They're absolutely gorgeous. I think they were like one of my top five favorite posters we've ever had. Um, and also, you know, grab some drinks and maybe say something nice to each other. Who knows? Um, let's see what else. Um, well, we always like to thank Brent, Bruntelfloss Black, for our theme music. It's available as a ringtone where those are found. It is a banger, you guys. Um, thank you to Kayla M. Wassel for our Twitter thumbnail art. You can reach us at SchmannersCast on Twitter. Thank you to Keely Weiss Photography for our cover banner for the Fan Run Facebook group, Schmanners Fanners. Please join that on Facebook if you love to give and get great uh, advice. Uh, thank you to MaximumFun.org for hosting us. Thank you, San Jose. Thank you to all of you. Uh, please join us again for the next episode. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners. Get it? MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.